We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 382 of the Win in Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and join me as always, my co-host, my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? Doing well. Save us the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a... That's a controversial take in these parts. Oh, I say these parts. I don't mean like in Ireland. I, I don't think anyone has any strong feelings about it. I mean, just the general, you know, books corner. The answer: the books are doing well. I think they're doing well enough. I mean, I'm, winners. I'm touching. I'm touching my earpiece here. I'm trying to. The books are doing well. I have confirmation from Reuters that uh, or Reuters. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Um, winners that of, might it might explain if Reuters are saying the books mm, are doing well. We might have to for, investigate that further. We have to get Reuters onto the case. Yeah, and don't look at my MLB Hall of Fame ballot, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the winners of three of their last four. The skin has been ended. It turns out their best player is still really uh, non-expletive word. Very good. That's, I appreciate you using a non-expletive word after the last episode when you just you you just broke it out. I was like, whoa, 
um yeah the things are things are fine for the books they're they're looking up we're seeing some uh some green shoots there has been some issues in there too some scares in there hasn't all been plain sailing um but there's definitely signs that things are getting not to where we want them to be but at least moving back in that direction i think would be the way I'd put it, and if it's going to continue moving in that direction, we need some other things to happen. We'll get into all of that. We'll talk some more about Yanis, uh, Destroyer of Worlds, his <laughs> absolute tear that he's been on recently, and of course his career high game. Jordan's talked about it already. Jordan wants to talk about it again. That's that's really what we're getting with that. Um, but first, we've got some exciting news. Some news that really carries across the Eurostep Podcast Network. If you listen to some of our other pods, you may already be aware of this. But it's now time to uh, get you all kind of locked in on the books element of it. We are always big fans here at GSPN of Community Jordan, right? We want places where the listeners can gather together. They can talk amongst themselves. They can talk to us. They can share ideas. They can give us feedback. They can weigh in on the various topics, whether it's with the books, the Packers, the Brewers, or pop culture that come up on our podcasts. And we're delighted to have another outlet, a new place, where we think it's going to be about as well-tailored to do that than anything we've ever done before. And we're really excited to partner up with Repod. Repod is a website and an app designed really for all things podcasting to bring us closer to you, the listeners, if you want to listen to any of your favorite GSPM pods, we're all in there, just like you'd find anywhere else. Native player, you don't have to leave any other app. You can follow, and they'll be there for you to check out in Repod. Additionally, though, you've got the ability to go to any episode, comment under it. We'll start back and forth dialogue. We're all in there. We'll post prompts. We'll post things to to take the conversation that I guess we've started with a a smaller few of us on an episode and bring it to all of you, the listeners too. So if you want to get involved, take part, become closer to us, the GSPN family, go to joinrepod.com forward slash GSPN. That is where you can subscribe to the Repod feed for the Eurostep podcast network. That being the Eurostep and winning six. So I highly recommend it. We've already we're up and running on our other two feeds. Uh, I was in there talking brewers earlier on in the cruising for a bruising one. I, I think it's going to be a really fun thing. So if people are listening, I think one, we, we occasionally get questions of I like listening. I don't like Apple. I don't like Spotify. Where can we listen? Yes. Well, here's an option for you. Um, we know we also have plenty of users who do not like social media, really, of any any kind of sort. It's one of the reasons why we've kind of got our Discord up and running. And here's another option. If you just want to be able to kind of go back and forth with all of us, weigh in on whether you liked an episode, you didn't, any ideas you have on any of the teams, here's a place you can do it that, you know, you don't have to be worried about the political stuff going on over here or, I don't know, the the recipe loops going on over here, Jordan. This is not Twitter. This is not TikTok. It's Repod. Repod. Yeah, pretty sure that's I, the slogan, right? I would hope so. Or uh, another slogan uh, said by a famous philosopher and country music singer: "Let the conversation begin." Mm. That's Repod. Yeah, yeah, right there. 
pa- patron saint of Winnet Six, I guess. Um, <laughs> just for the record, that is not to suggest that. I, I mean, I don't, I don't like Garth Brooks. Jordan, do you? Are you Garth Brooks fan? He's got some songs. I heard he has some got songs. some songs. That is true, <laughs> um, but it's it's more the spirit of how he engages with his fans has been a long time inspiration for us and here we are we're just carrying on the conversation as many different ways as we can if if you do get that reference if you're listening long enough to remember that go to repod sign up yes and, and drop a comment under this episode because that is a deep deep witted six cut anyway yep. the milwaukee books jordan we should talk about them it's allegedly what we do here <laughs> we'll start with Giannis. I won't, I won't go around the houses and kind of do everyone else first. I guess we'll start with Giannis. We're in a weird spot and have been all season where I feel like every time we come to talk about Giannis, we're like, he's kind of, he's better than what we're seeing. And yet he's also completely otherworldly. And it's, it's not like he's doing things in a way we are like, wow, he is playing in absolute top gear he's pushing things to the limit to dominate he just is kind of doing it by way of being out there on the floor this season and in particular he has been i mean really ratcheting that up more lately um since since he missed the jazz game on the 17th of december he had 42 points, 10 rebounds against the Pelicans in a win. He had 45 and 14 against the Cavs in a loss. 26, 13, and 7 against the Nets in a loss. Um, 27, 9, and 3, most underwhelming game of them all, against the Celtics on Christmas Day. Giannis was not alone in having the most underwhelming game of them all on that particular occasion. Then he comes back with 45, 22, and 7 against the Bulls. Is that any good? 43, 20, and 5 against the Timberwolves. Is that any good? good. 55. 55. That's 5, 5, 10, and 7 against the Wizards, which seems pretty good. And you know what? Just a 30, 21, 10 game against the Raptors to round out this run. Um, like 30-20-10 is something that really should be like emergency pod wordy, right? Because you guys called one earlier in the week with good reason. I'm not, I'm not critiquing that decision, but if we were a podcast covering another team or another star player, we might be like, whoa, 30-20-10. That's a fun game. We got to talk about that one immediately. We were like, uh, didn't didn't quite have it tonight, did he? He was a little bit off. What what do we do with all of this, Jordan? I mean, I, I've listened, I've listened to the emergency podcast that was had when I was fast asleep. Um, which I would I just I'd like a rebuttal because it was put out there that you know <laughs> all credit to Eugene. I tip my hat to Eugene for being awake. I I was Eugene once. I was Eugene once, a younger man, Jordan, a younger man who was never asleep when the books played, and it probably aged me about 20 years in the space of about Especially five Especially the era that you watched. 
Sure, I didn't get to watch all the fun stuff. You know, no. I was I was young and dumb, Jordan. I was watching the Jason Kidd books. <laughs> and yeah, that was a time. So that's that's why I have to sleep during games now. I can't do it anymore. I burned myself out in my early 20s. But what a treat it was to wake up, to watch Giannis have 55 points. And also for me, when I watched that game, I'm like, I mean, I know he's going to get 55 points, but it kind of doesn't feel like he's going to get 55 points. And he's not doing, he's not doing like, I don't want to say he's not doing anything out of the ordinary, because of course he was, but he, he wasn't doing things 55 points out of the ordinary where you're like, throughout the game, oh, this is, this is the very best that he's ever done in a regular season setting it just it didn't feel like that until it was and again i just think it comes back to the larger team of things to be honest where it's just like it's not that he doesn't have to try he obviously has to try but it is so effortless to him and he does have the ability to unlock just the gaudiest stat lines and the kind of performances that other players your donovan mitchells can go out there and they can get your 71 once every six years or something but no, I'm not even, I'm not, I like Donovan Mitchell. I'm not yeah. I'm trying to just completely make fun of him. Although you Lucas with your 60 tens and tens. Giannis is becoming a guy at the moment too. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to have 40 points every night. I might as well get 20 rebounds while I'm at it and maybe 10 assists. It's completely otherworldly. And I, I don't know. Do I have a question, Jordan? I'm just processing all of that still. Because I I do think it is more difficult than four years ago when Giannis amazed us and we hadn't seen a player do anything like that in our time watching the books. And it was like, oh my God, he's he's doing it. He is the real deal. This is the MVP. He's come from what he was when he first arrived in Milwaukee. And he is now like meeting the wildest dreams and expectations, the kind of expectations the fans always have of their kind of fun, weird, athletic rookies. It's like, oh, well, if he works out, Giannis was doing all of that. And now we've gone four years beyond that. And he's just, he's going and he's going and he's going and it's just going upward and upward and upward. So are you with me on this? Is this kind of difficult to wrap our heads around still? Yes and no. Um, I think the thing about it and you, and you did ask a question, you did say, what am I supposed to do with this? Cause it's very, it's very hard to talk about Giannis in a very like even keeled way, especially the season when we've talked about so much about like, there's just something off about his year. And then he goes on this tear of having um, 40 point games, five of the last eight games. Obviously, the the you know back to back or three straight um 40 and 20 games and all this stuff. I think to me, this stretch and where it's coming out of, and just where the Bucks are this year, and how Giannis, you know obviously headlines all of this it's more of a matter of they need every ounce of what he gives them because chris has been out let's just say out for all but three or however many games he's been he actually played 
Drew has been especially in and out over the last couple of weeks. Um, they it's not full strength team. It's a lot of people in and out of the lineup. Um, some people playing, some people not. Jordan Wara makes a cameo in Toronto, but hadn't been playing when they had no one or not no one, but like they were at less than full strength. It's just been like how we went into the year when the Bucks were without Chris and Pat. And we're looking at like, okay, there's going to be a lot of ball handling load for Giannis and Drew to lead the way. Javon, like you're looking at like, okay, who could actually lead the offense? Who could be like a focal point rather than like, it's one thing to run the offense and, and do it in like in service of others, like a Javon Carter or George Hill. Giannis is the guy that stirs, you know, the drink. He's the straw that stirs the drink and then has five defenders like the Raptors were showing last night and it, all their eyes are fixed on him. And he just, he just keeps coming back and back and back and back. And that is obviously the most um, recognizable, not recognizable, but like just the insane (laughs) ethic to be like, I'm going to keep coming back. You may block my shot. You may, laugh at me when I miss free throws. You may laugh at me when I shoot a three that is 20 seconds into the shot clock. It doesn't make sense why I'm doing it, but I want to keep doing it because I'm honest and all that stuff. It's, it's the most admirable quality that he has. That's the word I was looking for, but to all of these <laughs> points I'm trying to make, he has a 39.1 usage percentage for the year. December, let's go month by month if my uh, browser doesn't slow down here. October, 36.6 use percentage, 41.6 in November, 37.6 in December. In two games of January, very small sample size, 43.3 or 45.3 usage percentage. Those are basketball reference numbers, so it's a little different than NBA.com. But that is like, that's, that's not... That's not normal. That is not normal. And it's, I think that is like, there's you obviously. Want, you want the NBA.com? I, I don't have the month to month right now, but yeah, he is leading the entire league at 38% usage rate for the season. That is, uh, that is high when Luka Doncic is a 37.5, um, and Joel Embiid is a 37.7. Like, they're famously two guys who won our high usage in two. Their teams do a really bad job of, you know, getting anything going through players who aren't them. It's reflective of something incredible from Giannis. And also, it's not something by design by any means. We know why it's happening for the books, but it's it's noteworthy. It's very noteworthy. And there's obviously something that will worry Bucks fans because it's just that is an insane workload as much as Giannis can, can take it on and, uh, you know, has done it repeatedly for, you know, longer stretches, um, especially when people are in and out of the lineup, but it's, it's almost remarkable to see that he is just that prolific and yeah, he could be worse off for it on a back to Mac, on a home and road back-to-back on the second night of a home and road back-to-back to be specific. But he's going to keep coming. Or, you know, he's going to keep doing this. He's going to keep coming back and back. And it's just like, I think that's where 
now that the dust has settled a little bit on the career night and you know he had a quadruple double against the raptors if you include turnovers um, which we won't we won't we, well um i just think like that like he's the engine and it's even more so um the case this year because the bucks just need this like it's not i don't think it's i'm not worried about where they are this year i think honestly if i'm even with the last couple of weeks in mind, it's still like this is kind of far ahead of schedule where I thought they were going to be just because they had the great start to the season. Would I like to be to see a little bit more stability? But, you know, we can't be beggars can't be choosers right now. Um, I think that's yeah, it's just amazing just to see this level of. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, live, die, repeat. Tom Cruise starring level work ethic that Giannis uh, has right now. Edge of Tomorrow for those who don't yes. know by that name. One of the weirder movie things where yeah, it's got multiple names. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, yeah, and I mean, I guess the other part of that too is I like the general the tone of what you're saying there, Suitsayer Jordan Tresky. Just he's he's laying it all out there, telling people, Look, if you've been told that Chris Milton was not going to come back till December and then he was going to return for seven out of eight games, I think it was. And he has now missed 10 straight games again. Like, if we had been told that before the season, I think the overall view would be very pessimistic. And I think that's kind of being lost sight of in that, yeah, everyone is panicking. But I, I think the books are getting to be in a tough spot from a good spot, if that makes sense. Like. Yeah. A lot has been talked about. Um, the the fast start, the nine and zero, wasn't. It? Yes. Um, 
and oh, it's just a nine and zero start, and then they're pretty much a five hundred team a couple of games away. It's well, thankfully, that's not how the NBA works. Those two things don't get separated, and that nine and zero start is essential to getting them in a position where they can kind of weather this storm. And if they do figure some stuff out, and Chris can get back healthy, or really we can just get everyone healthy and try to work out who should be playing, who shouldn't be playing, who sh- what roles people should be playing in. Um, I really do believe a lot of the problems that we're seeing, a lot of the things that people are very stressed about with the books, would just solve themselves if the books could get and keep their best players on the floor together. I really don't think we'd worry as much about your Grace and Allens and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, it's just it's it's not as important as it feels right now, and the fact that it feels important now is what the problem is. Because that's like that's a Chris Milton thing. That's a Drew Holiday thing. Drew has missed quite a lot of time with non-COVID illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, tied up with the Red Hot Nets, the best team in basketball. Everyone seems to decide it. Haven't haven't heard this one before. It's a new. I'm interested to see how the Nets um, deal with this. Because this is unfamiliar territory for them to be the star-studded team rolling off wins in the regular season everyone's like Kyrie Irving Katie how'd you beat a team with those guys so I'm interested to see how that happens how that plays out because we've been there before um the Celtics I mean I believe Jordan the Celtics were the greatest regular season team that the world has ever seen they were just an unstoppable force who happened to be five and five in their last 10 games much like the Milwaukee Bucks and honestly, they've been pretty terrible other than when they saw the books on Christmas Day. They've been in something of a rut of their own. All this is to say, the books are not alone in having their fair share of problems. I think the books are more kind of pronounced and clear, though. That may mean the problems that are issues for the books right now are their undoing because, well, let's say Chris is still injured come playoff time. That's possible. If that's the case, yeah, that's the case. I don't know what they're going to do about that. It's really not in the plans. You kind of, there's a lot of things you can try and game plan for and account for, but being down one of your three best players is something that any team in the NBA, it's going to hit you where it hurts and you're going to fall off. But I like, give me the Celtics equivalent problems to this point in the season. Like they are, they aren't on the same scale. Where the fact that that team is one game ahead of the Bucks in the standings, it's nothing. The Bucks can still be the number one seed. Yeah, like I, I know that feels wrong to people. I know it, it's kind of like beggar's belief, but it's like, no, they can't. They're right there, and um, they can finish the season better than the Nets, better than the Celtics, in part because they started nine and zero in part because they are having these moments, and Giannis, to give him his credit, is having games like this where they're not winning every game where Giannis goes off and does incredible stuff because he is largely on his own. He's getting help from Brooke Lopez. He's getting help from Bobby Portis. Anything beyond that, though, is a crapshoot night to night. Him doing that, though, is giving the books some of the wins that they need to stick around. And honestly, it's it's shaping up in a way that I think we talked about on our our crossover preview pod. I know it was absolutely the thing that I was 
I was predicting. I'm not. I'm not saying that's take credit, Jordan. There's, you know, we know I got a lot of predictions right. There's other predictions we're never going to talk about ever again. But what I did anticipate the East being is really, really tight. Like, yeah. really, really tight, where there isn't going to be a runaway team. There isn't going to be a team that it's like, well, look at how many wins they got. Because the conference is good, first and foremost. And for the most part, we're, we're dealing with teams who, I mean, certainly book Celtics, uh, Nets, Sixers, heat at the tail end of it, and that gap's closing. So it won't be long before they're out of the play in and into probably real playoff spots, not because they're good, but just because like the Knicks are not good. All those teams are like on multiple goes around on this. So they're not stressing overly about the regular season. Um, They may not even be internally as motivated as they could be. So it always seemed like something where it was going to be bunched we may have a unique situation, which doesn't usually happen, which is it could get to late in the season and all of a sudden teams could start to actually get really competitive because it might be very close from one to six to begin with. And you're like, okay, I really need to, you know, we need to separate ourselves. We need to go and get home court or we need to avoid that matchup where often you've got teams who've already won their games and they're losing to switch from one matchup to another. That may not be how this season plays out. We'll see. Um, I feel good about where the books are in spite of not feeling good about like the, the book situation. But I, I feel like we talked to, talked about this in the last episode. The reason I don't feel good about the book situation is just plain and simple. It's Chris Middleton. That's it. Chris comes back and he can prove to be healthy, not even necessarily the best version of Chris Middleton anytime soon, but healthy and give them 15 points and take some attention away and literally just take the ball in his hand so Giannis doesn't have to do everything. The Bucks become the Bucks again. That's it. That's kind of, that's where my concerns begin and end. Everything else, like guys going hot and cold, some other players like like so Joe Ingles or Pat, who've obviously missed significant time this season too and are working out their own things. All that I think can be fine. Where Marjan fa- factors into it. All, all of these various like things yeah it's fine Javon I think Javon's a good example too because we've obviously all got excited with Javon talked up Javon I do think in being realistic Javon was not like the player he was to start the season that isn't his level throughout his career and there was always going to be it's the thing last year we were somewhat wary of too it's not like he's not going to get back there but there's going to be a dip at least it's a natural thing that players form will fluctuate we feel like we've seen some of that recently. Doesn't mean he's not going to get back to who he was to start season, who he was last season. I think we've got a good sample there where we can be like, yeah, well, that's real, but that doesn't mean it's sustainable for 82 games every single season. And this is kind of just the way of the regular season, right? It's the kind of the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows that you've got to accept. And the Bucks are really dealing with quite a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, to echo your Javon point, he even had like that mini slump to start the year, then, you know, pulled out of it pretty quickly and then had that OKC game that everybody thought, you know, he's, you know, a different player than what he is. But yeah, it's, I, I, I think too, this, the other thing, like, I think we have 
we have both lived this reality and that reality has changed where I know like, what was it? Last year where the Suns were the runaway favorite in the West. They, I can't remember when they, or where the, or what their record was by the end of it, but like they were, had the best record um, after, you know, a terrible playoff disappointment, losing in the finals. Can't remember who they lost to. Um, a couple of years ago, it was the Jazz, and then we saw how that worked. Obviously, the Bucks played this as well, and we saw how spectacular that flame out was. But by and large, for every, like, you know, this is the clear best record team, like, coming out of COVID, it has not been, like, th- this has been more reflective of how the NBA is. And it's been a big part about parody. Adam Silver has talked about it and it does give, you know, coming out of like the Warriors just being the, the top, like most dominant team we've ever seen for a long time. Um, obviously since like the, the Bulls in the mid nineties, it's always that, that, thing that like inescapable like oh look at the warrior the rich get richer blah 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 blah. yeah that 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 reframed the understanding where that was about like that's the kd era warriors it's because yeah you were the best team you got kevin durant on top of that like it's not it's not like who is that team every year spoiler they don't exist yeah they do not exist and i still think a lot of people have held on to that kind of mentality um, as great, I mean, there's still really good teams out there. They're, they're just not going to go up to that level. There isn't like, and we even have seen like, yeah, you can get all the talent in the world. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to click. For every Warriors example, like the clip or you know, a couple years ago when it was Durant and Kyrie going to Brooklyn and Ka- Kawhi and Paul George going to the Clippers, I don't think any of them would have thought that they wouldn't make it to the finals over the, the next four years since getting those, like it, it just, we live in a different era and that's part of because partially because the talent of the NBA is so much greater than where it is. Things have settled where, you know, um, you could look at to a lot of teams that are actually trying to win games and say that is a clear cut, you know, all-star caliber player or whatever barometer that you want to set at and say like, they're, they're going in the right direction or, they have things figured out or to figure out or stuff like that. But I just think like we, where the bucks are at and a lot of the questions and it's, it, they're unanswerable because it speaks to like existential things. It doesn't necessarily mean talk about what their play is this season because in large part, because Chris just hasn't played. But I just think like, <laughs> if you look at both, conferences and where the teams are at and the records and just how thin of a margin it is from being the top seed to being the sixth seed in the East or being the play-in realm or whatever how, the case And be. how little that has mattered in recent years. Like, and I, I get, and like, I don't think you or I are going to turn down the number one seed and be like, oh, well, the books have home court. But we know we have been the beneficiaries of not being home court and winning a championship. It's also, all of these teams are good, so like you can all stress out about home court all season and lose game one of a series and the home court's gone. Like the books are a team that at their best, they're good enough to win games on, on the road. They're good enough to win games at home. 
I don't I don't care. Honestly, they could be any seed once they're in the playoffs and their players are healthy and it's like, okay, now they get a real shot at this. That's kind of where I'm at at it. Like that's a dangerous game. The players can't afford to get into that mindset. But I do think organizationally, it makes sense. Like it makes sense that Wizards game, you still hope for better than you get. But yeah, you're down multiple guys and like, okay, well, we're going to give Giannis a night off because we have to. Honestly, I think they will probably have to do more of that and they should because this is not about, oh, we're in position for the one seed and Chris comes back and then Giannis breaks down in April because he was worked so hard early in the season. It's like, oh, great. Like, who needs to be a one seed in the playoffs and dealing with a Giannis who isn't fully healthy or without Giannis at all or something like that? Like, it's... yeah. And the ultimate indicator at this, I think the thing that people shouldn't kind of overlook because it is the clearest acknowledgement of this you will ever get. It does not get more black and white. The NBA are actively talking about expansion. Yes. It's because the player pool has never been stronger. And it's because it's actually feasible to do that. And the product doesn't get so diluted. The product will get diluted. We're going to have more bad teams within a few years when expansion comes around. Be interesting to see how an expansion draft plays out, how many players will be protected for each team, all of that kind of stuff. But the reason that, and it that is a reason, it's kind of one of the things that I think all the years when expansion would come up and it was batted away, going back to Stern and Trout Silver's time, like one of the things that would always come up is the pool of talent and where it's at and do we feel like we have enough for two more teams and it's as strong as it is and i think people would have said for quite a long time now yeah absolutely the talent is there it has never been there like it is now and there is a reason why on pretty much any given night any team can beat anyone else there are only a couple of exceptions to that and look we know the the caliber of players coming through in the draft next season like that could change for those teams in a couple of years too it's it's a really, really interesting time in the NBA because of how wide open it is. And the expansion is an indicator of that. So if you're a team like the Bucks, you've got the best player in all basketball. Simple. Best player in all basketball. You have a team that you know you can win a championship. Your core guys have done it before. And as much as it may not feel like it in a lot of ways, and from game to game, from shot to shot, you've got more weapons now on your roster than you did at that point too. So it's just about let's stay the pace, like stick with it right now. If we imagine this as like a 10,000 meters, Jordan, we could call it a marathon. I feel like that's a cliche, but the books are right there. They're in the pack at the front. And it's like, you don't want to just tear off in front and then completely run out of gas. Some would argue that's what they did in starting nine and oh, but they're holding their spot. And even when it seems like, oh, there you've lost it. And another team is just tearing away from them. It keeps just shrinking back and shrinking back and there isn't really a meaningful gap. So they're in a good spot without necessarily playing very well. And I just, I I think it's really simple. Like there's, there's times, I think it's, there's seasons where we could come on and we've had more insightful things to say about why the books are good or why the books are bad. I, I think we could waste a lot of breath on a whole lot of things right now where it's like, the answer is simple. The second best player, the third best player, I don't care what you want to call them one of your primary creators, shot makers, playmakers has missed very close to the entirety of the season. And you've had a whole bunch of injuries down the line, illnesses, games missed. 
and it's like, oh, the whole thing isn't working smoothly. It doesn't look like a well-oiled machine. I wonder why. Why could that be? Yeah. Like, so I I think sometimes we can look for things that are overcomplicating this, but it really is simple. It's like, can the books get Chris on the floor? And then it will be, what does Chris look like? Do I have anxieties about the answers to those questions? For sure. Can we do anything about them? No. <laughs> no. Like, and the books can't necessarily, they will make moves one way or another if their hand is forced but they're not going to make moves that are going to solve that one at the top level. So that's the book season right now. Let's go to the mailbag, Jordan. We've got lots of questions that are going to bring us right back to a whole lot of this. From an MK, Robert, did Grayson's reputation get him the flagrant call against the Raptors, or was it legit? I know you were podcasting at the time, so I don't know. Did you see the flagrant that Grayson yes, called for? Yes, I did see that one, actually. I mean, just horrendous. I, I have no no comprehension of how that ended up being a flagrant. Um, I would say it was Grayson's reputation if it wasn't for the fact that perhaps an even worse decision, one of the worst decisions I've ever seen, was made a couple of minutes later, if, if even that, when uh, Pascal Siakam pushed Bobby out of bounds into an official who didn't see him being pushed out of bounds and didn't call for a foul, I just think next-level incompetence. Uh, that that official on the baseline for that Bobby Portis foul, he should have a couple of months off. Seriously, the NBA should be sitting him down. Just egregious. And in a, in a game where that was very nearly like a decisive thing, the game goes to overtime because of plays like that. Truly bizarre, an absolute meltdown from the books, but also one where... I think they just took their foot off the gas. The effort wasn't fully there. And then the officials were just like, give them the Raptors six and seven points. You're like, okay, well, that's certainly one way that a 14-point a lead can disappear in a hurry. So, yeah, I don't know if you feel reputation factored into that. Maybe it does. People see Grayson. But I just think the officiating was atrocious. It has been for a lot of this year. And it's not just Bucks related. It's I don't know what's going on. I don't. I know there's a lot of turnover in the last few years and stuff like that. But like, there has been just some pretty just god awful efficiency. We're gonna need more there. refs for expansion, Jordan. Yeah, there. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. I that that whole game was a, a Mona Lisa of incompetent uh, officiating. I mean, there is something where there was a whole older generation of referees um, that I, I'm sure this is the case for a lot of NBA sickos who watch three games a night still. I were, say, four years ago, five years ago, I feel like I would have known maybe half the referees in the league by name. That's not the case anymore, not even close to it. I Night to night, I could see a crew, and I'm like, yeah, I know nobody on this crew. I just don't like what I'm seeing so it's not something we like to spend a whole lot of time on or focus on but truly the finish our Raptors game inexplicable don't understand at all how decisions like that could be made again from MK Robert do you think Grayson's role is truly a trust factor with Bud a product of injuries or trade baiting it's not trade baiting like there's not a clever game going on here where the books are like Oh, we're playing him. He's not playing well. And we're going to lose some games 
but we're putting him in the window when he's not playing well. Like there's there's this no there's no part of that that one meshes with the books or two makes sense. I think they trust in his health. Like I, I think that's when you talk talk about a product of injuries. It's like the combination we're we've seen some interesting decisions with Pat. I mean, obviously the Pat start and what that brought out in him more recently. Um and obviously there's been ups and downs with Joe Ingles as he works his way back too. Like Grayson has been very healthy this year and nobody around him has been healthy. So he's got reps. He can play 40 minutes if you need him to play 40 minutes. Um he was having a pretty good season up until a point, which should not be lost either. And I'm guessing the books would like him to break out of that slump, particularly when they're in a spot still where it's like, yeah, Giannis is kind of having to do everything on his own. It would be great if that guy could be a dead eye in the corner again, which look, I mean, that's how they beat the Raptors in the end is Giannis makes an absolutely insane pass um, to Grayson blind true, like four bodies on his way down and Grayson makes the shot. I like we've all been over the Grayson territory at this point. I don't think anyone else's trust factor is that high in him, but also they're trying to win games and in a yeah. like in an organizational way, trying to win games, not in a flippant. We're all pissed on Twitter and it's like they're losing games because Grayson Allen's playing. It's like it's not, it's just not how this works. And there's there's a more delicate balance to all of this. We don't know how much Grayson they will need yet as the season goes on. We hope not as much, but part of that depends on Chris. Part of that depends on how everyone else holds up. And I just think he's he's there. Like part of his greatest ability this season has been his availability, and that has been something that's failed most of his teammates. And yeah, if you're Bud, well, that's useful because he's a guy for better and for worse, game to game. You can be like, okay, well, we know where he's at. He's he knows where we're at as a team, what we need to work on, where we've made mistakes, things we've done well. So that's the kind of thing that builds trust. Sometimes even more so than just, oh, well, this is the smartest player in the world, which Grayson does not tend to be that in a basketball sense. No, there's no ulterior motive to why Bud is playing outside of I want to win games and if he is healthy, he is a starter cal- starting caliber player who can close games if he's shooting well or if they have no one else on the wing, if Joe Ingles is out, if Pat is already playing, if Wesley Matthews has been exiled from the rotation, he's official good vibes guy. Um, I give you that, that honor, Mr. Wesley Matthews. Um, who else is there? Marjan? I mean, everybody is... Me included, I'm very intrigued. We've, we've by got him. questions. We've got questions because we get we'll get to more of that. But in terms of Grayson, I don't. I hit Bud's job is not to showcase him to have him get shipped elsewhere. That's the job of a, of John Horst, um, and he's not throwing paper planes down to him and saying play Grayson so he gets traded or anything like that. It's it's a the coach the job of a coach and the job of a general manager are totally different. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, Grayson's an incredibly frustrating player because you see the skills, you see the fit, you see why he should be 
you know, tailor made for this Bucks team and especially next to Giannis. And the same goes for next to Drew and next to Chris, um, Bobby, Brooke, down the line. Um, but you just want to see it consistently. You just want to see it ma- and happen when it matters most. He's hit a couple game winners this year and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it, it's it's been a roller coaster. But the highs, the thing is, the highs are highs and the lows are lows. It's finding that middle ground where it's not it's it's not the committee and the turnovers on you know uh, it doesn't exist though. Like this, we keep going back to this. I just kind of. I think it's like for everyone collectively, for all of our mental health, would be better to just accept this. Like the reason Grayson Allen is the level of player he is, is because the middle ground doesn't exist. Because the middle ground of a shooter as good as what he can Set be. Said in Lindsay Lohan gift form. <laughs> if he eliminates all of the other issues or at least brings them to a place where they're kind of, you know, they're in moderation. We've got a, a real grip on this. He's a he's a level up player. He's two levels up. Guys who can do that, that's what separates you from being the role player that the books are able to get at a decent price and extend versus like someone who's way out of their price range and other teams like the Grizzlies and like the Jazz weren't giving up on in the first place. Like it it's just kind of part of who he is. And to take the benefits of him at his best, I think you've got to accept that. What I do think is a really valid case, but is also a luxury the books can't afford right now, is wouldn't it be great if Grayson is your eighth or ninth man or he's coming in, he's playing 15 minutes, and you get a game where he's just red hot and you're not having to worry about all the other things he's doing because he's not out there. He's not getting the kind of touches where all that's going to go wrong. But I, I do think it's not the first time we've had this conversation, made this point about him. Like, you can't get the version of him. Wouldn't it be great if he did? If he did, yeah, he'd be. It would be great if he did that because he'd be so much better, and the books would have a player who's like a tier above the kind of role player they actually invested in. Like that's yeah. the kind of jump that I'm not saying that this is the level of player he would be, but we're talking about like what we once, for those who've been watching the books for many many years, if you want to like map out. Chris Middleton as a role player, different profile, but the difference when Chris went from a role player to someone who was like an all-star contender year year in, year out, that happens because you're able to achieve that consistency. Grayson is not that guy, so that's never going to come. And part of the, the joy of, like, I mean, it's not that long ago. I'm trying to remember which game it was where he was like, had like six for eight or something on May trees, wasn't he? he? Just was absolutely like nuclear. Let me let me find the out. Mavs games. Yeah, seven of eight. The Mavs game, at the end of November. Like part of that is the tree of fourteen against the Bulls. You know, that's yeah. that's the Grayson Allen experience. Like that is the balancing of the scales. Unfortunately, it's never just going to perch in the middle. And that's yes. why the books are able to get him. And that's why his salary is what it is. And like his role is more than you want to see. It's outsized, but it's because Chris is not there. I, I think the, the thing that I would like to see, I think collectively across GSBM, we all talked about before would be Pat just like, but finally 
just going with the guy who he clearly trusts most when it matters and having a level of buy-in where it's like, okay, we're just going to make this happen. And the other thing here is, I don't, I don't know, like, Wes looks cooked to me, but then there's the idea of, oh, well, they are kind of pacing him. They want to make sure he's good for the playoffs. He's only mm. good for the playoffs if he hasn't played all regular season, I can tell you that much. But yeah. that that's also something that factors into the fact that Grayson Allen has to play and is playing as much as he is, because maybe at the start of the season, like, we talk about where trust of a coach goes, West was certainly a guy that in this second stint, you're like, okay, well, Bud trusts West Matthews. And all the different scenarios, all the different kind of lineup configurations where you're going to see West. And now it's, you know, when you see West at all, Jordan. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think all of that kind of is the Grayson package. Like, all of that together, it's like, why are we seeing so much? And what's it's like, it's all of the things that are wrong with the books. And Grayson has become the scapegoat because all of the things that are wrong with the books are forcing him into a more prominent role where on some nights he founders and on other nights when he does quite well, it's not enough to erase the sour taste, the bad nights leaving people's mouth. I just think Grace Allen is who Grace Allen is. And it would help the books a lot more if he could be their eighth, ninth man. It's not the luxury we have right now. Yeah. It would... To your point, it would happen regardless if it was Grayson Allen. It could they could have traded for anybody else, and if they had gone through the same set of circumstances that they have over the time that Grayson has been here, they would have easily been in the same spot. And it's all situation dependent. It's being without Chris, be without Drew for stretches, um, Giannis, too. Uh, like just go on down the list. <laughs> This is a talent-driven league, and the Bucks are driven by their best players. And when they play, they good things happen. And when they don't, bad things happen. And it's just the way of the NBA and the way of the world. Sure is. Uh, the next one from Steve Pelly. Prognosticate. Is Marjan a better option than any realistic big wing trade target this season? It helps to have him on your team already. <laughs> Go on. But I, in terms of like, Jay Crowder is the placeholder name, obviously, because he's been linked to the Bucks for so long. Um, but as we have talked about at various points, it is so what the Suns want out of that deal and what the Bucks have do not align. They, Grace Allen doesn't really, right now it does do them some help because Devin Booker is hurt, but eventually Devin Booker will be healthy. And is Grayson Allen starting in that backcourt? No. So how much is someone that's, you know, kind of plays a redundant position or not redundant position, but they have the mo- the bulk of their talent from within their backcourt and on the wing. If you throw in Michael Bridges there. Um, I just it's there's a reason why there's always been a third team associated with those trade talks or um, or the fact that any contending team now in a more general sense as a transition to any any contending team is going to be looking out for Jay Crowder or the a wing that is available the Cleveland Cavaliers there's already a report today as we're recording 
how do they find that fifth starter? Is it within their own team? Isaac Okoro? Is it Lamar Stevens? Is it Dean Waves? Seti Osman? Or what? Like they, every contender, whether the East or the West, that is, you know, looking to make a, not a big splash, but just to fortify their rotation or their starting lineup. They're just looking at splishy splash. Splishy splash with, uh, you know. Thank you, Tom, know, Jordan. To, yeah, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom, first. They're going to be looking at wings. And I think the fact that everything is so bunched up together doesn't help the Bucks because there's not those clear teams that could be selling wings that are worthy of, of you know, talking about, frankly. <laughs> yeah, the sellers are going to be teams. And again, it being bunched and even bunched like in playing races. Like, it's only the Pistons and the Hornets who are, like, out of the playoff race in the East. Like, the Magic are three games back of a play-in spot. I don't think the Magic are going to make it to the playing game. But they're not out of it. No. And they're also not a team where it's, like, most of what they've got is young, and they probably are happy with the mix of experience and in building that way. If you go to the West... Again, you've only got two teams. Like the, the Thunder are only two games back of the play. And so you've got the Spurs and the Rockets. You've really got four sellers in the league, and those teams do not have players that contenders are going to be excited to go and pick up. So you, you end up with a very kind of static, stagnant market. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in two more Marjon questions here, and we can just have the wider books Marjon conversation. Um, from an MK Robert, do you see any reason Marjan doesn't play most games? Dante got to play from day one because of his perceived defense, but Marjan doesn't seem to get the same benefit. And from C Keller 141, what would Marjan have to do to get more minutes? I want to go to the Dante part first of all. Um it's it's not even apples and oranges, like it's it's a real false equivalency there. Do we want to compare the books roster and Dante's rookie season to the books roster now and the players that they have there? Um, if you think Grayson Allen is frustrating to watch, it's like, what about spells where we're like, oh, you know, we need Bonzi Colson to play uh, 48 minutes. Um, like, it's just, I, I feel bad about that. I was like, Bonzi, I don't want to, thought I'd take shots at Bonzi. Um, it's, it's just, it's a completely different scenario. Also, what if the books learned a lesson from how they use Dante and they don't want to do that to a rookie again? Because how did Dante work out? Did Dante work out well? He didn't. He's crap. He's uh, Jordan. He's, he's a bad NBA player. He was for the books. I'm, I'm not going to be shy about it anymore. I wasn't not particularly good. shy when he was on the team. It's not good. And by the end of his time, it just hadn't worked out. Um, there are reasons beyond his game for that, his health being one thing. Yes. But part of that too is how are you gonna manage a guy that come into the NBA? The level is so entirely different. So that was Dante DiVincenzo, where issues arose from that coming from a national championship winning program into the NBA, coming from being a really high profile college player who'd been through the kind of the ringer of college basketball jordan i could do this myself but let's let's do this let's let's back and forth on this as 
in an interview format just for the sake of this. What was Marjan Beauchamp doing last year? What kind of basketball was he playing? Playing the for the G League, mate. And would would you say that the year, two years before that, were they normal kind of years for him in terms of his development relative to how NBA players usually lead up to the start of their professional career? No, I would not say so. So this is a guy who had a mixture of weird academies of trying to be a prospect in the age of COVID and maybe the year or two window where high profile players were most affected in terms of getting the opportunity to play organized, structured basketball at a high level. The jump from what Marjan Beauchamp has done in the past three years to being like, oh, you're good. You're in the NBA. You're playing 82 games a season. We want to see 20 minutes a night. Like, this is not this is not all that complicated. I know why everyone seems I want to see more of him. He's really fun. He's been really good. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I take from that is great. The books have finally got a prospect who's really fun and really good. So let's make sure that you know we have multiple years of him. Because you know what? They might need him like <laughs> in a year or two. Um, not just to be like, oh, fill a, a Pat Connaughton-esque gap. What's Chris Milton's future look like? What what kind of shape do the books have to rework their wing rotation? The overall dynamics of the team. You may have to look at bringing higher profile players in at another spot, which means all of a sudden what you do on the wings is very different to what you've been doing in recent years. Like... With a player of his age, I think long-term planning has to factor into it, but he is not just any player. He is not some guy who did two years in college, and it's like he was primed and ready for this. And that's kind of not even countering or accounting for all of the the stuff that we just don't know about behind the scenes in terms of, like, how are you doing mentally with you are now an NBA player? You're playing with the best player in the league. You're in an arena every night. This is not a, just a books thing. This is not just a weird bud team. Most teams who are serious and are good, this is how they treat their rookies. And when rookies aren't treated like this, it's often because they are very experienced players to begin with, which is why the books have gone that route. We've seen the books go for big, high-profile programs where guys have played under the microscope, a lot of pressure, demanding environment. You're ready to go. You're ready to plug and play. Marjan Beauchamp was not ready to plug and play by any means. And the fact that he looks good out there doesn't change that. It's like, that's great. He has the tools. His ability should hold up in the NBA. It doesn't mean he's physically ready. It doesn't mean he's mentally ready. And this is a case where I will fully be like, okay, if the books are taking the long-term view on that, I'm good with it. It's also not like he is like logging 20 DMPs in a row. Like he is playing quite a lot and he's playing yeah. more than a lot of books rookies have played and that comes from how good he is i mean i i really do think that's the case like there's recognition of that um if we look through game logs for him like we can go back so we had a run of four inactives three dmps from right at the end of november into december from then, we've got 4 minutes 58, 21, 52. I'll drop the seconds to make this quicker, Jordan. 
19 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 3 minutes, 1 minute, 14 minutes, 25 minutes, 15 minutes, 22 minutes. He's playing. Yeah. Like he's playing plenty. You you can't play this kid, and he is literally a kid. 30 plus minutes. It's so far removed from what he has been building up to. And I really don't think the books envisioned Marjan as being like a real contributor this year, being able to do that. I'm sure they would have been fine if he didn't play at all this year, but next year they're like, okay, he's ready to go. So to me, uh, this is just me. People are free to disagree. I think he's way ahead of schedule. The books are adjusting to that, but there is still at least some level of sensibility to it. And honestly, I'd prepare yourself, everyone. The healthier the books get, those minutes will get rolled back and rolled back as they should, as they should based on ability and experience at this moment, but also just based on mapping out Marjan Beauchamp to be the best player he can be for the books for the entirety of his rookie contract, hopefully the contract beyond that. And hopefully, you know, we go on and on. Like we've talked so, so much. I don't think we've, there's any subject that we've circled back more to than it's certainly been my biggest topic of anguish is the book's lack of draft assets. And the fact that if you want to keep this thing, you want to be a dynasty, you want to have a chance to be a perennial contender. Yeah. Giannis does the heavy lifting, but you need to find young talent that are going to become real players that you have control of their salary and that you'll have them for a few years on cheap deals. And then that you don't have to worry about where you are with the cap and the tax to go over to re-sign them. And we've spent a number of years where that was not the case with the books being able to do that with role players. Here's someone who fits that bill. He's contributing this season. He may still contribute this season. Like, I, I think he's being managed really, really well. And I, if it wasn't for the fact that Grayson just drives everyone crazy and the books are obviously down so many players at key games, I, I don't think this would be a topic because we, in so many years, we'd be just so excited to be like, hey, this guy is playing, and when he plays, he's good. Yeah, he's already surpassed Dante for minutes logged, um, if you compare their rookie seasons. And I know Dante didn't play a lot, and he would have played more if he was healthy, um, if they were you know, sticking to it. But I, I, I 100% agree. I think what they're doing right now, they did envision not having Chris um, for this long and to have him be out again and for Drew to be missing time, you know, Chris is the long-term one, but like, again, they've lost so many games, the whatever stat it was, man's game or man game was lost um, and how high they rank. I think the last time it was fourth, um, but that probably goes higher because, you know, people keep missing games. They, that can exist and Marja can play the kind of role and develop, along smoothly and we can all sit here and say i'd rather be seeing flashes of potential and playing 20 minutes a game rather than him being out there for 30 minutes a game and you're kind of seeing the ebbs and flows and the moments where he's not up for it and you know even that bulls game last week like he was put on demar Derozan and did not look up to the part and it's that is natural for a 22 year old rookie who Again, his story is very unique. It's not like we're talking about a, a blue chip prospect and, you know, you walk in and you're a starter. 
he missed out a lot on valuable development time because of just the nature of his situation. So to go from not playing organized basketball or um, uh, high level basketball at that too, a couple of years ago to now be in the NBA and playing a sol- solid role, if not, you know, uh, a decent role on a championship contending team, that's a lot to take in. There's certainly the mental side of it that we have to consider here because of just the nature of where we are. So, yeah, I, I do think it's just, I know we all want more and more and more, and it's nice to have a, a books rookie that looks good, but let's not, let's not have it be like, we're talking about him being 27 and he's in the prime of his career. It'd be a much different conversation if we knew just how like to quantify experience and just the jump up from going from no basketball to community college basketball, to playing for the G league ignite and playing against players that were in the NBA that mind you, like that, that itself is not easy. And then, Playing it's not, but that's a weird, even because the schedule is so contracted yeah. for that team. Like, it's so soft, it's so light. The games are real, and there's some real intensity, and it's a testing ground. But everything else is very different to being like, oh, well, you've got 82 games, and you're on road trip, road trip, road trip. You're you're not going home for the next 10 days, and then you're doing... That's so far removed from what he's used to. Uh, like, this is not Yakima Valley Community College. Like, that's... Yeah that's really where we're coming from with it and i think that's i think their approach is very reasonable also i mean we're we're into january now um the next six to eight weeks is true rookie wall time of the season i always think when a player hits the rookie wall part of that is on a team overusing them and it's usually a bad team if the books can just you know manage pick their spots, pick their moments. There may be games where he's only playing four or five minutes where like, why is he only playing four or five minutes where they could be like, he needs that. Like they see behind the scenes, the sports science team could be like, we need to just back off a little on Marjan right now. I, I believe the team are being smart with, I don't see anything with the usage with him that doesn't take the long-term view. Um, And as much as everyone's like, yeah, but they need to win now. Now is the window. They also need players who could partner with Giannis and form a good basketball team beyond this year and next year. And honestly, the question marks on Chris only make that more pressing. Jordan Tresky. Jordan's just playing videos mid-pause. I don't know how that happened. This is not talking to Tundra, Jordan. Yeah, Sorry. These things might fly with Numac. They won't fly over here. Um... Okay, on to the next one. From at C Keller one four one. Do you think a trade happens closer to January fifteenth or the trade deadline? deadline? Trade deadline. It's always deadline. These I know it is this happens. It's been because there's nothing else to talk about um within the wider MBA, and there's so many MBA insiders that know these dates and make it more important than they are because it's like people are trade eligible. That means 90% of the league can be moved. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be moved. (laughs) How about the stat of every 30 NBA team has different motivations for what they want in the trade deadline and whether they actually have the assets to pull it off. That's more, that is always the more important thing. 
I even feel like when the books have gone early, you're still splitting the difference between those two things. It's like right at the end of January or the beginning of February um, is the kind of time when an early deal can come true. So I don't know. There's probably, you know, I'm sure people have seen the Noah Vonley deal today and being like, this is it. This is the start of it. Fireworks time. It's not. Uh, although, let's kick Serge Ibaka to the curb and bring in Noah Vonley. That's all I've got to say. Um, from a C caliber for one again, when would Chris have to come back for you not to be worried about it impacting the postseason? I don't think at least I can answer the question that way. I think what I need from Chris is that whenever he comes back, uh, I would prefer to be sooner rather than later, but ultimately, whenever it is, whenever he's right, that he comes back and he's playing like 15 consecutive games and he's building back up and he's starting to look like himself. I don't really need to see Chris come back like, oh, I need to see him come back before the All-Star break or immediately, he has to be back the other side of the All-Star break for him to then miss four or five games. I do fully expect we'll see him a whole lot sooner than that. That is probably naive of me, but that's the thing for me. It's not going to be about when is Chris back. It's going to be next time Chris is back. It's like, okay, can you stay back this time? Or is this really something where we're like, his body is breaking down. He can't stay out there for kind of a continuous run of games so that's that's where my concern is right now it's not like oh chris's chris's injury it's like he was back seven games he's gone again if we see that cycle repeat that's bordering on panic stations in a bigger sense than like this season too because then all of a sudden You've got big issues. You've got big issues in mapping out your next three, four years where you probably felt good about, oh, well, at least we're going to take this direction up until that point. Yeah, I would say any start or return to the return date um, is irrelevant just because you already set a time. You already set the date for him to return. He looked fine enough if we're kind of you know very uh cognizant of what he was coming back from and yeah that may be a little kid gloves but it's a long layoff and a lot of it without being able to um get back up to speed uh athletically and to play basketball and stuff like that so yeah it's not about when it's more of how does he look can can we, you know, we're about what three is three plus months away from the end of the season and playoffs, and that sounds like it's you know far off, but it's not. It's going to come up quick. The season's gone by fast, and any other thing we could talk about any other thing with the Bucks, whether it's deadline related. Can Giannis keep going this way? Um, go on and on and on it's nothing's going to matter more than how does chris look if he's playing and that's that's where it is that's where we're at right now promise steve pally can we get an update on the books transition game is it as simple as 
quote, get back on defense, you goofballs? Or do you think they'll double down on offensive rebounding as the season matures? My guess is simply everything will even out and or the books will start hitting more shots. Hitting more shots is always a great solution for uh, your transition defense. So I would personally advise them to take that route. Part of this, I I feel like Giannis is a particularly guilty party of this at the moment. And I don't blame him mm, because he's I tired. I know exactly where you're going to do. Yeah. Just, like that's, and it's, it's, if we want to extend it beyond Giannis, it's like you look at what Bobby's having to do night in, night out, what Brooke is having to do. Uh, also, then I think one of the things that's interesting when we just look at books two to three years ago versus books now, stationing Brooke closer to the rim more often is giving teams a head start in transition that they didn't have when Brooke's favorite spot was the top of the arc and it was all about spacing it out there. Like that's, that's what's opened up the books to vulnerability defensively in transition. And then that is their, one of their best routes for making shots, which is again, is a great way to, to solve some of those problems. But you can't ask Giannis to do all that he is having to do, or Bobby or Brooke to do more than they are. Um, as I like, I think that's they're your bigs, and I do think it's starting with that. Obviously, Drew having missed quite a bit of time on and off that hasn't helped either. Um, but I, I think if they could get guys healthy, and it's again, I know this is boring at this point, but it's like if you get Chris back and they get into a normal groove, and Giannis has to do less offensively. Whether the Bucks' transition defense was ever really stellar, or just that they had the best one-man transition defense in the NBA, is, I think, certainly something we could talk about. And all of Giannis's energy is not going there right now, and it shouldn't, because they need him to do other things with almost greater urgency. So I think this is one that will like you suggested, Steve, even itself out. But I would say it's like, if the books can just get to be the books, because yeah, I think those things are a couple of logical reasons why they're considerably leakier with transition deed and they have been other points in the Bud era. Yeah. And, and the old staple of you, can, you have to, um, what is it? You can't take away everything. Um, yeah, and they have made a concerted effort to uh, tack the offensive glass, and rightfully so, based on what they have available to them. Um, it's worked out wonders in games like the Raptors. They were extending possessions. Were they hitting shots to extend those possessions? Maybe not. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't think uh, <laughs> you can't play a perfect game, um, despite what. A lot of people think. Uh, Are the Celtics so, not doing that every night? This, this is what people been telling me. I Jordan. heard they invented basketball. Red <laughs> Auerbach. Yeah. Was it lucky? It was like that's why you can't step on him. It's a sacred shrine. He was doing the. He was spinning the ball on his index finger. Damn. Leprechaun. And doing that while with a pipe in his mouth. That can be started on the leprechaun. Uh, front David on twenty one. Is it really possible for a unicorn to lead by example? Since the answer to that question is no, doesn't that explain everything? Since the answer to that question is yes, doesn't that indict Budenholzer? 
uh, hashtag basketball is beautiful is at the end of this, which I feel like is some, you know. I feel like some, we're getting lured. Some, we're getting, this is Spawn Call. This is some sort of guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Um, David Dunn 21 does have a really fantastic video that I think the core ideas um, of which in terms of appreciating the evolution of the game in the past very much meshes with Jordan and I's larger mission, all the things we talked about. So if you haven't checked that out, I do strongly recommend it. Uh, as for the question, I I feel like just dismissing the question out of hand. It's being like, next question, move on. What do you think, Jordan? I, I think Giannis um, leads by example. But what are you looking for that example to look like when others try to replicate it? Like, he can't teach others how to play like him. He's certainly leading by example. When he's going out there and having 55 points against the Wizards in January, it's like, yeah, you better go out there and try because this guy has got, you know, all the accolades he can pick up and an NBA championship ring. And look how hard he's trying. Look what he's doing to win a random regular season game. Like that's leading by example. And as to like, does that indict Budenholzer? Does that no? They they need better players a lot of the time. They could do it being healthy and getting all the good players out there. That's my answer. Who, who's to say we're not talking about Giannis? Are we talking about Brook Lopez? He's a basketball unicorn. This very true. You're going to find me arguing with that. Bobby Portis. Thought of as a non-winning player. Now he is. He personifies it. Basketball unicorn. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Anyone else? Do you, want to, do you want to keep going with that? I'm curious. Um, as to... No one thought Bud could rock a beard. He's doing it night in, night out. I don't know Almost. if that's true. I don't know if that's true. Well, he's reluctant. I remember Beardless Bud, and I mean, I would have rocked. You know, it's the Wisconsin food and drink. You know, you pack on a couple pounds. You got to look like, hey, you know, you start looking in the mirror. But I I also, Wisconsin food and drink is also, though, like, it's the kind of stuff that could get tangled in a beard. You get foam. Not the one that he has, though. He doesn't have a thick one. I think it's thicker than it might appear on TV, you know? Objects in the mirror kind of situation. Um, I I think there there might be a little bit more there. Bud's beard also sounds like a terrible pirate. (laughs) Bud beard would be the Bud beard. Uh, (laughs) Legend says his boat still travels. The port of Lake Michigan. (laughs) A cowboy of space. How important is the seeding battle going to be for this team? Definitely want to avoid that four or five matchup, right? Who cares? Who cares? That's I. I'm. We talked about it earlier. I'd like to be the one seed. I think that's always if you could be the one seed, great. If you can't be the one seed, be the two seed. If you can't be the two seed, be the three seed. But ultimately, I just would like to see the books be healthy and have at least started to get some momentum behind them and if they've got to play the Nets or the Sixers or I don't know who cares you know whoever it might be if they're healthy and they've got some positive momentum going their way 
they can beat any of these teams and they will have to to win a championship. So I would like to be the one seed. I would like to be the two seed. But the Bucks season is not playing out in a way where it can be as simple as prioritizing those things because you're not getting a kind of clear run. If everyone was healthy, I mean, they could be a runaway first place team right now. And that would be the thing where we're like, oh, they're going to be the one seed. Isn't that great? It's not how the season's unfolding. So I think the goals have got to be a bit more pragmatic than that. Doesn't mean it's not possible, though. Doesn't mean it's not possible. They're they're right where they need to be to give it a good go, but ultimately where they fall. I believe in this team if they're healthy and if they just get a chance to get some games under their belt together and rediscover who they are and give, whether it's like Joe Ingles or whoever, a chance to be like, oh, okay, this is what it's like when everyone's healthy. That's That's what I need. We just need some good run going into the playoffs and good health. Yeah. How this team, it, it's, there are bigger questions that need to be answered. And if we're talking about a, a Bucks team that is without Chris Middleton for the playoffs and they're a two seed, I still don't think my optimism would be that high because you're still without Chris Middleton. We saw how the story went. Yeah. So, and to, to that point too, um, you know what? I won't say anything because we got a question coming. Mm. But we'll we'll circle back. We'll circle back to that one, Jordan. Um, <laughs> from a cowboy space again. Is AJ Green our version of Matt Thomas? I I like this question. I like this comp. I've I'm not I'm not like carried away with AJ Green in any way. I'm not saying I've got AJ Green fever yet. You don't I'm have just, Jane Green. God, no, I don't. Uh, we definitely need to workshop that in a different way if if it ever becomes relevant that we all need to get green fever. Um, I mean, there's yellow on. fever, so could we not just go with green fever? Um, God. I'm monitoring the situation with AJ Green. That's that's what I'm going to say. I, I think there's something there. Um he could just get kicked to the curb anytime because he's at a two-way deal, and that's what the books do. But as two ways have gone, he is one of the more interesting ones. And to my knowledge, he is not liking tweets like agitated about his playing time, which is maybe also a good idea if you're a two-way player to not do that. Um, Green and grown. Yeah, he's... I've been steadily impressed, even with all the many layers of context that I have to remind myself that he's a two-way player. And players are very talented. It's a matter of just finding the fit and the role and consistency of players like him who was undrafted and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, is he our version of Matt Thomas? I can definitely see it. I mean, he's it's a not good impossible. Shooter. Not impossible. I think he – and honestly – I'm not going to say he's a, uh, you know, he, I don't know how to say this without like being very disrespectful to him because he's a professional basketball player, but he's easily going to be labeled as like a shooter. He got, he has some, some hard and hustle in there. He gets down. He, he tracks down boards. Wow. Wow. What? He- I just I love because you didn't want to lean into the cliche, but you countered it by saying he's got heart and hustle, which is it's incredible. It's like it's 
it's one one part of you know one part of ESPN speak successfully avoided right into the other one. I, I just mm-hmm. enjoyed that. I, none of that is untrue either. Um, he's a guy Bud has put out there in some spots where you're like, hmm, he doesn't really have to play him there. Um, and it has been, but he is, and it hasn't like it's worked better than some other guys that they get minutes. So it's just you, there's no way of knowing how that unfolds with a two way guy in the books. Yes, yes. Also, like I. It's probably like an all-star break discussion. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more important things though at that point. But it's like there is a there is a Sandman conversation to be had at some point. Of just like or maybe there isn't. Is that the conversation that there isn't a conversation to be had, Jordan? I just think like on a two-way all that time. It was a little unusual to begin with that the books drafted him and decided this is the route we're going to take. And yeah, he's been around, but I get where some of his frustrations would come from because he got drafted and he's been around this team. And he's not making NBA money even. And like that's probably the, the route for wanting playing time is because if he doesn't get playing time, you're not going to follow up a two-way with an NBA deal, whether it's in Milwaukee or elsewhere. I don't know. Yeah. We don't need to actually have the Sandra Mamakoshvili conversation at this moment, but I do think it is kind of something for someone. Jordan's looking at me like I'm crazy because this is like something I'm thinking about. No, it's not necessarily that. It's more of like this is kind of the deal that you signed up for and it's on your agent. It is, but also he got drafted and were they offering him a real deal? They weren't, so I don't know. The whole thing Again, is... that's that's agent. That's your agent, buddy. Right? Yeah, I, I guess, I guess there's obviously a willingness to go there and be part of that. And... Do we know also, is? I think we do, don't we? Um, I... Am I wrong on that? Is he not on an octagon? He might be. Don't worry, I'm I'm looking it up, Jordan. You just vamp there if you want to sing a song or anything like that. Um, um oh no, he's Mark Barlstein and George Rusakas. Do you think Barlstein was locked in on like the situation? With Mamu's contract when that was tied down, would that be a top priority for him that night? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> a tough one. Um, I will also say, Serge is like it's it's bad, it's rough, and I feel I, Sandman, if you're listening, <laughs> I feel it too. I. I know, I know why it feels that way. I know why, why you're reacting like that. It's just you're looking out there and you're being like, "Did the Bucks re-sign Serge Ibaka just to have him just to promote How Hungry Are You?" shows episodes? It certainly worked out well for Serge. I, I was disappointed. I if we need to move on. I was disappointed with <laughs> how similar the Addison Drew episodes were. But anyway, well, I have not watched a single. No, that's not true. I, I have watched some seconds, but not all of them. But like that Giannis thing of you're a role player, 
like that's all Serge's replies are like that all the time now. Like <laughs> that really he cut him in two, he cut him at the knees. And I, people picked up on that in a way that I think Giannis was speaking for Sandro in a very specific way. It look it led to all sorts of things, but all we can do is carry on, Jordan. We're just gonna carry on here. To yeah, I won't say uh, it. Yeah, a uh, pack fan twenty twenty two. What do they do with Middleton this offseason? If he tests the market and they lose him, does that endanger things with Giannis? You want to test his body first and prove that there should be a market for him? Is honestly, I mean, it's going to be complicated one way or another as things stand. So we're a long way off. Um, I think the peak of concern with that right now, I would guess Chris will be pretty happy to come back to Milwaukee on a nice deal that is maybe a little less than it could have been. Whether that is smart for the books, though, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, it is because they're not going to have a route to improving easy otherwise, and a significant salary could be the best chance they have. It is because you're you're maintaining all of the the salary chips on your roster to give you the chance to put deals together to get another star, if that's what it comes to, Chris. Um. If they lose them, if they just straight out lose them, they're in a very tough spot because they can't just be like, oh, well, let's go and sign his replacement. The books would need that. Uh, they need a big salary cap spike in a hurry, which there's one of those is going to be coming, but it might not come quite fast enough for them. Yeah. This is a question that can be answered in a couple months. I, I, I just. Guys got to play. We need to see him play. Exactly. So. That is my that will affect his decision as much as anything else. A pack fan 2022 again. Should the books just lean into being a defensive team? Trading assets for Bojan to be a better Ingle seems redundant. Uh with a full-time Chris return. That's a big if though. Uh would it make more sense to play Matthews, Marjan, Carter, Crowder types more in the playoffs and grind out games like they did in 2021? I honestly, like, I'm not being facetious. I don't think the books can just decide to be a defensive team and, like, lock in. And, like, I, I don't think it's that simple for them. And I honestly think those four names you gave is a great example of why it's not that simple. West matches, it might just be done. Like, I, if he could give the kind of quality defensive minutes that they wanted to give, despite of what other reasons they'd be given, I think we would have seen him recently because the books have needed some of that. They've needed just minutes from capable players. We've talked to Marjan. We'll see some minutes, but there's a reason why that's going to be capped to a certain point. Javon, there's no doubting his defensive ability, but if he has struggles on the offensive end, it becomes very difficult to have him out there on the floor. And then Jay Crowder, how are you getting a deal done for him? Or Jay Crowder type, more generally. Yeah. Um, I just the books are good enough offensively, good enough defensively to get the thing done. They just need to have the roster that the whole thing was built around, like available to them, and that's not unusual. It's kind of it's the situation that every team every year, like if you're a contender, it's like great, we've built a roster that could win a championship. The next step is we need that roster to 
be there when we need it. And the books might still be there when they need it, but it's not there right now. Yeah. I, I think that could be said for, I mean, Denver is the number one team in the West and Michael Porter Jr. is still going through all of his injury troubles. Jamal Murray is coming back from an ACL injury. He has looked good for the most part, but he's, it's still a lengthy, it's one thing to come back. It's one thing to regain where you were before your injury. Um, look at the Sixers. Look at the, who's another East contender um, that's been mired by injuries. Celtics have missed time and they have players that will miss games. Malcolm Brogdon, Al Horford can miss games. And Robert Williams has, you know, come back from his injury, but he already has a lot of, uh, I would say, worrisome injuries that would make me think that he could easily miss time again. Like, it's true of every team, as you said, and it's like, it just happens. Like, we've gone through so much to be like, okay, this is the missing piece, this is the missing piece. Why is it? Why don't they have that? And it's like, because you're building on top of the great things they already have. And the Bucks are here where they are in spite of all the things not working in their favor, or most of them. It's also um, like, because we've been true. We've been the team missing a piece and getting close. Like, if you want to take the books with Bledsoe versus the books with Drew Holiday, it shows you what the difference is. Like, that's even a fully healthy team, but it's like, Okay, when your team is actually good enough to win a championship versus where it's nearly good enough. Yeah. And just how important. I mean, that's a small margin at that time. Like, it's it's a really significant margin, but it's also, it's not like, oh, there's just, like, I don't know, a chair, a chair from, like, E's workout. Um, just there a point guard and all of a sudden they got Drew Holiday that wasn't the spot the Bucks were in they were able to do a lot of good stuff when Eric Bledsoe was their point guard but that to me is somewhat reflective of the difference like the Bucks were a great team <laughs> they, they were beating the hell out of teams they were putting up all sorts of crazy numbers they weren't good enough you get the kind of final pieces and right now the pieces it feels like to me are on the roster, they just need to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It is why they had the offseason that they did. And they were, <laughs> in part because, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to go around, but, or not money to go around, but it was resources to uh, pursue um, phrases that were within their own team because they took advantage of the resources they had available with them, like Bobby or player options for, uh, Whoever else, I, <laughs> I am frustrated yeah, with my that own guy. answer. Sure. <laughs> um, Lassie Jordan, Lassie from Key Cascan. I tend to believe that the books can't win a championship without Chris Middleton. Is there any move that they can make that would make either of you feel like they're a title team, even without Chris healthy? No. 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 I mean, the, the only thing I will say to this is the Bucks were one good game away from being a title team, potentially without Chris last year. And the pieces are there otherwise, as in you've got Giannis. Like, if they win game seven in Boston, anything is possible. Well, yeah, that too. Anything is possible with what's in front of you from there. 
And the Bucks are in a position where their best player is good enough. And if Brooke is healthy and Bobby's healthy and Drew is healthy, it's like, that's going to be a really good team, a really tough out. It's not impossible without him, but they're not going to make a move that's like going to reframe it where we're going to be like, they don't have Chris, but they're the favorites. They're like, they're runaway ahead, streets ahead of teams. It is possible because anything is possible when you got Giannis. I think we all know that at this point, but I don't feel like it's something that's going to come about by making a move. It's It would just have to kind of come in the moment of it all where it's like, yeah, Giannis is the best player in basketball. All the other key players have a really kind of strong run and it all comes together. Not impossible, not impossible, because there's enough good players on this team. But I don't know what move they're making that it's like, oh yeah, they're now definitely the favorite, even though Chris is on the roster and he's injured. Yeah, I I don't see how that would happen. All right, that does it for us. Make sure you subscribe to us. Oh, I nearly forgot. I nearly forgot. There's probably a lot of people who don't like to listen this far and they were probably reacting just like Jordan reacted there when I almost brought an end to this. Uh, in part because Jordan has stuff to do, places to be. But uh, I went to end this and Jordan went, hold on, hold on. We have important business to attend to. Of course, this is Jordan Tresky presents the Mike Dunlap Tweet of the Week in association with the Eurostep Podcast Network. Jordan, I'll be honest, I haven't really been locked in on Mr. Dunlap's tweets this week. It's very possible that I've missed some good ones. I did see him getting really upset about Bobby being pushed out of bounds. I don't know if that lead to a tweet, but I thought, God, if you're getting Mike Dunlap worked up out there, it's a really bad decision. Um mm-hmm. So what have what have we got, Jordan? What have what have we got? Are there contenders? Is there one that's a clear winner? The answer for why you haven't seen uh, tweets that you think are worthy of the Mike Dunlap TOTW hasn't been tweeting. Is that it? It's because it was decided not long after we recorded last week's episode. Oh, tweeted seven eleven. AM, December 30th, 2022. The overthrow of emotion during a game or practice can destroy a ton of work as player and team improvement quite delicate. Nope, doesn't mean you are devoid of emotion. Just means emotion is like spice. To be used as such, bottled, sprinkled, put back on shelf for another time. And the reason why this tweet is amazing is because time is spelled like the spice, T-H-Y-M-E. That is Mike Dunlap, everybody. That is just, it's chef's kiss. It's, it, it's amazing. A lot of the other ones were very basketball heavy. And again, as the criteria um of what we established we, we I, try I think to go... your i think your pick is overrated you know oh my god i feel like we i feel like this is what the <laughs> sixth segment and i feel like you said that five out of the six no weeks. no no i and the other occasions i i 
it's the most creative, right? It's the most non-basketball creative. And that is kind of what we get the most fun out of. So I'm not saying it shouldn't win. But I do remember this tweet now because you had a big reaction to it in our GSPN group chat. And I was like, chill out, Jordan. He's done better. He's done better than this. He's I don't disagree. He has go. done better. I, th- but... I, I think it's cheap. You are a man who loves a pun. So maybe this was just playing to the audience. Maybe I see a lot of time at work. Maybe the Dunlop bot 20,000 has become sentient, self-aware. Knows the audience he's playing to. It is breaking out puns. I don't know. Um, my favorite one, the rest of this tweet doesn't really work, but I just love how it starts. Is from January 2nd. It starts, if you ask me, question mark, which I just imagine like you're walking down a street, there's just people walking all directions, and Mike Dunlop just turns on you. He's like, if you ask me, you're like, I didn't ask you anything, guy. He's like, what one or two things can I do to improve my coaching? Easy. Find out who was teacher of the year in your area. Go observe. Take notes. I really don't think so. (laughs) Learn, Jordan. Learn. Second, sign up for a parenting class. Honestly, best, best thing I ever did to improve my methodology of coaching. My one question for Mike Dunlap would be, Jordan, you and I, we're not parents. If oh. we went, if we wanted to be better coaches, so next week we we enroll ourselves in parenting classes. How would that go down? Would we be, be welcomed, well received? Do you? If we just a... people are like, "What do you mean you don't have a child?" He's like, "Don't understand." Mike Dunlap told me this is how <laughs> I become a better coach. Did Mike Dunlap conceive a child purposely? Jesus Christ. All right. I'm going to call an end to this one. Play the music. (laughs) If you like what you hear, I guess, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Euroset Podcast Network. (laughs) For more information on all things we do here at the Eurostep Podcast Network, go to gspn.info. Home to the Eurostep Podcast Network. Eurostep, Ron Caddy and Ty Windish. And win at six if we if we survive for another episode with myself and Jordan Tresky. Good God, man. Uh, Jordan also co-hosts Talking to Tundra Green Bay Packers podcast with Numak. Big, big few days for the Green Bay Packers. You're definitely aware of that if you're listening here. Andrew Snyder and I host Cruising for a Bruising. Covering all things Milwaukee Brewers, we took a look at the NL Central and reacted to Wade Miley's return to Milwaukee in our most recent episode. And make time for this as your home for all things pop culture from us at GSPN. Don't forget, join Repod forward slash. I've got it's got to be joinrepod.com, right? I feel like they'll just say join Repod. Wouldn't do great to not have. not to have any kind of domain at the end of that um, or whatever that's called but anyway join repod.com forward slash gspn that's how you get to us on repod until next time thanks again to all of you for listening thank you in particular and nothing but my respect to Mike Dunlap um, thank you Jordan
Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.